1: another edition of Women's Online Wellness Facebook Live! Are you excited? I am, can you tell? Tonight I want to spend a few minutes talking about some things that you could do in this world of confusion, in this crazy place we're living in called planet Earth, that's just turned upside down and gone nothing. says, Well, maybe I just reconnected. I hope I reconnected. If you can see me and you're watching, uh, give me a thumbs up, because my internet connection said it may have just gone down, so I don't know if... If you're able to see me now or pick me up if you can, uh, let me know. so I know that all this is still going on I don't even know if I may be talking to a wall right now, maybe talking to the ether and not talking to anybody so if you if you're on and you can see me, give me a thumbs up so I know but tonight tonight, I want to tell you a little bit uh, of some things that you can do that are practical to really improve your wellness. That's the key. The key is well, to thinking about not sick care, which we live in. Our, we have a sick care system. We don't have a health care system. It makes me so angry. It makes me so mad. We really need to focus on not waiting till somebody gets disease or gets a medical problem. We need to understand how that person is at risk and then to drive a plan to get them feeling better. So that they never develop those things, and in this world that's so confusing, this is really stemmed from a couple of questions that I got today that were were really went to the core of the issue, and that's in a world where things are so disruptive. What can I do? You know, so much we can't control. So much is out of our control. Whether it's uh, from politicians or administrators or people who are making decisions for us, and we all know who those folks are, we need to get some of that control back. One of the things I hear time and time again is, I feel like I'm out of control, I feel like I'm falling apart, and it's largely because of either not knowing what to do or being so confused or not having the motivation or not having someone to walk walk with you through that. Again, I don't know if my internet thing is working, so if you can see this, I'd love to get some feedback. Uh, just say uh, say hello or give me a thumbs up, because uh, I hope my, my internet is actually working. Uh, Kim, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it looks like there's a couple of other thumbs going up. So if you're watching this, yep, 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 there's a couple of other folks coming on. So please let me know, because this has really kind of spooked me now that I don't even know if this is actually going live. So... Oh, there's some horse. Oh, good, good. All right, so I've, I've gotten some confirmation now. I've gotten confirmation that my internet is not in the toilet and it's actually working. So, again, what I want to do tonight is very briefly give you five things that you can do starting yesterday to improve your wellness and health because that's the only thing truly you have control over. There's a lot of garbage going on out there that you have no control over, never will, so just forget about that. Every one of these things is quite simple. But simple doesn't mean ineffective. And I think that's a very important understanding that you've got to make that distinction. Just because you've heard it time and time again, I mean, I, if I came into your room every morning and said, well, guess what, the sky is blue. The next day I came in and said, guess what? The sky is blue. After about two weeks, you're going to be sick and tired of hearing that the sky is blue. But it doesn't make it any less true. So that applies to these things tonight. You've heard them time and time again, although two, I promise, is going to, or, are going to surprise you. I think you'll be very surprised by a couple of the things I'm going to tell you about tonight. So stay with us. Uh, we're not going to take, take a, a whole lot of your time tonight, but this is stuff that Literally, if you will do just one of these things, just one, if you'll practice one of these things, it will go light years to improving your wellness. I mean, And let's, let's, again, remember what we're talking about here. Women's Online Wellness is all about not improving lifespan. That's a number. That means nothing to me. I wanna see you improve your health span. And that's simply how long can you stay vigorous Can you stay engaged? Can you say mentally and physically and spiritually well and balanced? That's what we want to see. That's what we want to improve. That's what we're going to give you practical suggestions and advice on how to do. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And I'll tell you a little secret. I went back and looked, and we probably have 60 or 70 videos on this site that have been saved. And every one of these things I'm going to tell you tonight I've gone into much greater detail in these videos. So when you're sitting around and you're bored and you don't have anything else to do, go back through the old videos. There's a lot of stuff in there you can pick up, a lot of things that you can learn from that, and utilize that. There's a resource there that's just for you, so utilize that, and I promise you, you'll get at least one nugget out of any of those, and it's gonna allow you to really propel yourself towards that goal of health span that's a word I want to cement on your brain that's something that I want to be your focus who wants to live at a hundred if you spend the last 10 years in bed I mean on average if you're getting into my age range and you come into this age range in reasonably good health you've got another 25 or 30 years on average and you want to make that the best you can and there's ways that you can do that. But you've got to have a plan. How many of you, tell me, raise your hand. How many of you have a financial plan? How many of you met with people, sat down and mapped out a strategy for your retirement? You planned your 401k. You thought about what your expenses would be like down the road. Or if you're younger, you've mapped out a strategy for how to save. And you've decided that being being very intentional about your finances is the secret, the key, to having wealth and to having enough to do the kind of things you want to do. How many of you have a health plan? And I'm not talking about Blue Cross Blue Shield. How many of you have a plan of what you can do to make those, what however old you are, the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, the best they can be, because everybody, I guarantee every one of you, if you take just a moment and think about what are the things that make me happy, what are the things that give me joy, what are the things that make me feel purposeful, and that's going to be different for each one of you, that's going to be different, it may have to do with kids or grandkids or career or relationships or create being creative, but whatever that is, At the core of that, at the foundation of whatever that is, it's predicated on the idea that you're going to be in a good state of health, that you'll be able to carry that out, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So it's at the core, at the very foundation of being happy. And everybody defines that differently. Now, that's not to say if someone's physically ill or someone's handicapped or someone has... a a malady that they can't be happy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that for most of us, when we decide what it is that gives us joy, in some way, shape, or fashion, it's going to involve being in good health. So I'm laying that foundation just as you would your financial foundation. I want you to be planning your health foundation, and that involves awareness. That involves understanding what your risks are, just as you would understand your expenses and your finances, you understand what your risks are in your health, and just as you would plan with that financial planner about how to save or how to, how to be able to uh, pay for this, how to set up a proper uh, savings account or which, uh, which investments make the most sense. Well, the same thing applies to your health and your wellness is you've got to be intentional about it. It just doesn't happen. When that happens, you wake up one day and you've already got diabetes, hypertension. So making a plan, following through with that plan, and ideally having someone who can walk through that with you and provide some of that insight, that's, that's really the, the golden combination is getting that motivation, understanding that your whys are very much intact. I know why I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy for my grandkids. I want to be able to get on. I had a lady tell me the other day, I want to get down on the floor and be able to play with my grandkids. And that was motivation enough for her to start doing some things differently. So whatever it is, and it's going to be different for each one of you, figure it out. And then once you have those whys, then it's a matter of sitting down and coming up with a plan, and whether that's with me or someone else, or your, your other physicians, or a health coach, or someone who has the knowledge base to be able to take the time to analyze the, the, the good and the bad, and then give you suggestions, but more importantly, follow that up. So, enough of the foundation. That's the rationale of why, quite honestly, why this group exists, because it's, it's all about what we can do, what you can do individually, how you can take that personal responsibility, enjoy the community and the feedback, take the information that you have, and then make the decision personally to follow through with that. All right, so five things that you can do starting today that I think can make a difference in your long-term health. Number one, Get adequate sleep. I know, I'm sick of hearing that I'm not getting adequate sleep. But it's so true. We're only now discovering how important quality and quantity of sleep is. And when I I want to define that a little bit for you. When I talk about quality and quantity of sleep, I'm saying a minimum of six hours of sleep. And you know what? Seven out of ten of you are not getting that on a consistent basis. That's why it's a major problem. It's not just that you're going to be grouchy and tired the next day. It's going to mean your immune system is going to be less effective. I mean, if you are chronically sleep deprived, you are so much more likely to have issues like a severe reaction to Uh, COVID-19. You're going to have more risk for just even common colds your immune system requires your your sleep to kind of replenish sleep is a very active process you're not just it's not just a passive thing there's a lot of stuff going on in your sleep did you know and this will freak you out people who are chronically sleep deprived and by that it's less than six hours and again that's 65 to 70 percent of folks out there listening to this right now you have an increased risk for senile dementia, Alzheimer's, just because of sleep. If you eliminated everything else and you still weren't getting enough sleep, it increases the likelihood of you developing Alzheimer's. Let me just briefly explain why, because I like to back this up. I want you to understand this. When you sleep, there's these things in the brain called glymphatics. You've heard of lymphatics. These are glymphatics. They are little channels in the brain. The brain actually shrinks a very small amount when you sleep. And that allows for the expansion of these glymphatics. And what do they do? They have one purpose, and that's to remove all the built-up toxins, all the built-up residuals from the metabolism that has gone on during the day. And it removes all that stuff and gets rid of it so it doesn't build up in the brain. Well, what happens if you don't get rid of those things? Well, it builds up in the brain, and that leads to these things called amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary fibro, wow, neurofibrillary tangles and tau proteins. And what, what? Who cares about that? They are the pathological identity of Alzheimer's and senile dementia. So, not getting adequate rest not only makes your immune system it makes you gain weight did you know if you don't get adequate rest and you wake up in the morning you've got a higher level of a hormone called ghrelin which is the hunger hormone so literally you wake up hungrier if you're not getting adequate rest so it's so critical it's so important i mean we place so much importance in our weight loss program that i have a whole video on sleep we got several PDF files on adequate sleep hygiene and how to utilize uh, appropriate supplements and uh, different techniques. And I'll, I'll say just a second about, about sleep, sleep aids, sleeping tablets like Ambien and Lunesta, and, uh, Trazodone. Yes, they help you sleep, but the studies are very, very clear that you're not getting the same type of REM sleep, restful sleep, restorative sleep that you get if you're not using those substances. So, I get it. I prescribe them. I know that there are times when those are needed, but don't be confused in thinking that if you're utilizing those on a regular basis, you're not getting the type of restful restorative sleep that a natural state would be. So, Get adequate rest. Number two, decrease body fat. Now notice I didn't say lose weight, and that's an important distinction. We don't have a weight problem in this country. We have a fat problem. It's the accumulation of body fat that leads to all the different problems associated with what we call adipozoic... I can't speak tonight!
0: Golly!
1: Adiposopathy, which means just uh, diseased fat. Fat is a very active tissue and it secretes massive amounts of chemicals and hormones that create an excessive inflammatory state in the body. And if you've listened to anything we've done over the last few months, you know inflammation's the bad guy. That's gonna become the cornerstone for almost every single chronic illness. The more we learn, the more scared I am of inflammation. Well, one of the major causes of inflammation is excess body fat. Now, here's the deal. You could could weigh 110 pounds and be a size zero, but if you're 50% body fat, you're, you're not healthy. You're, you're a sick puppy. So it's not so much about the weight. Yes, of course, there's a correlation between excess weight and body fat, but there's a lot of folks out there who, have, uh, who, who are heavier, but because they're fit, they're much healthier than someone who weighs 30 pounds less who has a higher percent body fat. And there's a number of ways of checking your body fat. Obviously, if you just stand on a regular scale, you're gonna get one number, which is your overall body weight. That's not that helpful. Well, they actually make scales now called body composition scales, and they're pretty cheap. You can get them anywhere, really and they're, they're reasonably accurate, and they give you a breakdown of percent body fat, lean muscle mass, a thing called visceral fat, which is a fat around the internal organs, and that's critical because that's what's associated with cancer and diabetes and stroke, et cetera, bad stuff in general. So you can get those, and, and again, they're not research quality, but for what we would want to do with it, it, it'll give you a pretty good idea. If nothing else, a comparison. Uh, anybody who's been to a gym, they have these skin calipers where they can do a crude measurement of percent body fat, and it gives you a baseline. It gives you an idea. Uh, the gold standard is using what we normally do with a, a, a bone densiometry. We're measuring for osteoporosis. We can actually use the same machine to measure percent body fat, and it's probably the most accurate. Oh, here's, a, here's, here's something cool you can do. That that especially in the summer months, if you want to get an idea of body fat, but more importantly, you want to kind of see what somebody else's body fat is. See how well they float in a pool. Fat floats, so people who have a high percent body fat tend to float pretty easily in water. I mean, you've all seen the the, the guys with the big old big old huge belly that are just laying in the water like these big walruses, and they're just floating right there. That's because fat floats. So the more fat you have in your body, the more you float. The more muscle you have, the more dense it is, the heavier it is, the more you sink. So not only can you test yourself, but you can look around at other people in the pool and kind of get an idea of where they stand. But that's what we need to, to really focus on, is not weight loss, but fat loss. Somebody comes into my office and says, I lost 10 pounds. I said, great, 10 pounds of what? because I don't want them losing 10 pounds of muscle. Don't really care if they lose 10 pounds of fluid. I want them to lose 10 pounds of fat. So that's where your focus needs to be when you're talking about weight. I really want people to begin to start talking more about body fat. Number three, be active. Now I know you're sitting there, okay exercise boy, I'm sick of hearing that time and time again. That's all you do is talk about exercise. Well, dad gummit, it's the fountain of youth. There's no question that every bone in our body, every muscle in our body was designed to move. Now let me make a distinction here because sometimes it confuses people. You don't have to be training for a marathon. You don't even have to be going out and and doing something specific. When you think about exercise, exercise is simply doing a certain activity with a certain goal for a certain length of time. What's more important and what I want you to focus on is just the activity of daily living. When we talk about expending energy through the day, 70% of our energy is just running our body. Literally, if you got up in the morning and just laid in the bed and didn't move, much like your husband, but if if you just laid in the bed and didn't move, 70% 70% of the energy that you get rid of is just running right the heart and the lungs and the brain and, and your intestines and all that. 10% of energy expended is through maybe formal exercise. But 20%, fully double of what you're doing when you're on the treadmill or the elliptical or doing the aerobics tape, 20% is the is what we call non-exercise thermogenic expenditure meaning that it's just the daily living of moving around. So it's really, really important that you be creative in looking at your own life and say, how can I just move more? Even if it's for a minute, even if it's for two or three minutes, that's another myth. People think, oh, well, if I don't go out and walk for 45 minutes, then what's the use? It's, you know, I, I, if I just go out for 10 minutes, it's gonna be worthless. Well, no, that's wrong, that's wrong. Even five minutes of motion is gonna make a difference because it accumulates over time. There was a study done long ago that said the amount of energy expended, especially as it equates to energy balance, was the same for somebody who did a 30-minute walk who did or who did three 10-minute walks throughout the day. So don't use that as an excuse that, oh, I don't have time. No, you, you've got the time. You've gotta make the time. So take stairs. Park farther away. Uh, When you're sitting, stand. If you have a sedentary job, set your watch and every hour get up and walk around for two minutes. I mean, do jumping jacks. Just make the people who work around you go nuts. But doing something that simple. Make it a game. Be creative with it. Make it where it's fun. Make something that you enjoy doing. And that's the other key really quickly about exercise. People ask me what's the best exercise? Well, there's no question in my mind. The best exercise is the one that you'll do. There's no magic. I mean, there's it's just what you'll do consistently. Find something that's fun. And that may be a stretch for some of you. I get it. I mean, you may have never thought any type of exercise was fun. But try to be creative with that, because if it's not fun, if it's not something you're enjoying, if you're doing it just because some idiot doctor told you to go do it, it's going to last about a week, and then it's going to fall apart. So just like you would only read books that you enjoy, just find something that you like doing. But even if you don't find exercise palatable, just be more active in every day, just in the stuff that you do on a daily basis. It will add up. It will make a difference. Your incidents. I saw a study the other day that if you just walk 15 minutes a day, come on folks, 15 minutes a day, you can cut your risk of type 2 diabetes by 30%. Now, if that is not worth it, somebody needs to just slap you upside the head with a wet squirrel because that's just unbelievable. That small amount on a consistent basis can keep you from developing what possibly well, looks like I may be back up. I hope I'm back up. I hope I didn't lose anybody. Uh, all right, so number four, be social with the right people. There's multiple evidence that people who have a network of friends or associates, and it doesn't have to be 25 people, and it's not your Facebook friends, because most of folks you don't know anyway, It's even just one or two people that you can socialize with on a regular basis, communicate with, talk with, interact with, those folks tend to be healthier. And it's so important now, especially for folks who are isolated, who, because of this COVID garbage, is, are, are having an inability to... Uh, communicate like they normally would. It leads to anxiety, it leads to depression. I talk to folks in the office every day that are feeling the stress of not being able to communicate with family or friends. So utilize things like uh, like online communication, like Zoom, and, and these other platforms. Ideally we're getting to a place, at least here locally, where we can kind of expand out and be able to socialize more. but. People who are on a daily basis communicating, interacting with other people, especially people who have meaning to them, uh, not just sitting on the computer and and talking back and forth, but people who are important to to them, whether it's family or friends, tend to uh, have a healthier physical and emotional outlook. And I think a lot of that is tied to the emotional part because how you feel emotionally very much impacts your physical health so anything that reduces anxiety anything that gives you support can also allow you to perform the kind of things physically that and make the choices whether it's nutritional or to be active that improves that so being a That doesn't mean introverts, and I'm an introvert, I know you're saying, yeah, right. No, I really am. I mean, the only difference between introverts and extroverts, extroverts get recharged by being around people. That's how their batteries get charged. They love the energy, it really gets them going. Introverts get recharged by being alone. They kind of get drained when they're around a lot of people all the time. Uh, So, this is not to say that introverts are going to be sickly and just waste away. We're not talking about that kind of interaction. I'm talking about having folks, uh, whether it's a spouse or or family members or friends or even colleagues at work that you interact with, your your social network of meaningful relationships uh, can, can, can increase the likelihood that you are healthy and stay healthy. Now, what's interesting, and this was a fascinating study that came out a couple of years ago that looked at a person's network of associates, and there was a very close correlation with people whose top two relationships, whether these were not spouses but friends, if those folks were overweight. There was a seventy percent chance that the the person they were studying was also overweight. So this kind of works on the negative side. You know, we uh, um, growing up, I remember mom telling me that you know you're you're kind of a, a, a mishmash of your two closest friends. You know, you you your peer group defines a lot of who you are, especially as you grow up. Well, that continues on later in life. So pick your friends, pick your friends carefully. Now here's one, the fifth, that I think will kind of surprise a lot of you. It's a health behavior indirectly, and that is be a part of a religious group. There are massive studies that have looked at religiosity, and by that I mean people who are involved in their church, their synagogue, their mosque, People who have a religious foundation and then practice that actually have a lower incidence of a lot of chronic illnesses. Now, we could spend literally two hours discussing that one topic. There's been whole books written about the interaction between religiosity, for example, and the incidence of depression, or religiosity and the uh, likelihood of developing uh, chronic illnesses such as diabetes and hypertension. Certainly there's a correlation between the immune system functioning. Uh, and the studies are fascinating. As you can imagine, it's very difficult to study simply because there's so many variables. One of the points that came out in one of the larger studies that were people who were a part of a religious community but didn't really share the belief system. They were there more for the social interaction or for whatever reason, didn't actually garnish the same health benefits. So if you said, oh, well, he's saying I need to be a a part of a religious group to be healthy, I'll go out and join a church, no, it doesn't work. You you actually have to incorporate uh, the belief system and the faith system for that to be uh, a part of the benefit. Now, granted, a lot of that benefit may come from what I talked about just a minute ago about the importance of social interaction. And certainly, many church communities, synagogues, mocks, many of these communities provide tremendous interaction, tremendous support. Obviously, a lot of the uh, practices of different religious groups, that may limit alcohol intake or frown on smoking or some that have certain nutritional caveats, those tend to explain some of the benefits that come from religiosity. Some of my favorite studies are looking at, at prayer and its impact on healing. And again, maybe we'll if there's an interest out there, we can spend a whole Facebook Live on just talking about the interaction between the scientific community and the religious community and how that impacts a person's physical and mental well-being. But there's no question that in every study that's looked at this, people who are regularly engaged in whatever belief system, they tend to be healthier as compared to their non-religious or non-believing cohorts. Um, fascinating stuff and that might be something to be worth exploring uh, down the road. So in a a world that is just completely blown up with viruses, with social unrest, with uh, all the uncertainty that that brings, all the confusion that that brings, These are some of the things that each of us can do on a daily basis. Get adequate rest. Do the things necessary to lose body fat. And that includes exercise and being active. Being part of a social community and being socially interactive. And being a part of a religious community. Those are things that you can control. Those are things that you can utilize on a daily basis to really give you hope. Because that's what this is all about, It's hope in the present and hope in the future. And with that hope, there is that motivation to, to take whatever the current situation is and make it better. And know that it can be better for you and those that you love. So I hope that's been some benefit. I'm sorry about the internet going in and out. But, you know, (laughs) I can't control that! So, until next time, just remember you're all VIPs because there's value in prevention. And most importantly, make healthy choices. See you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eker at reaker at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.